sent you a request, Jeff. Hello. Hello, friend. How are you? Hey. Just making sure my headphones are working. I'm good. Did you uh, get your microphone set up? Uh, no, I'm just using my, my wireless headphones. I figured this was easier. Oh, okay. Are you uh, you streaming this one? No. No stream. No, no pretty faces. No, uh, none of the lighting. Got it. No, I figured this is this is less pressure this way. Let's just do it one platform. Yeah, true. Maybe if you like record them and uh, put them in a library later, that's definitely an option. Um, but yeah, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just had a yummy salad, and I'm ready to to chat. I'm attempting to boil water and pour the water now. Very exciting. Hi, Eli. Good to see you. Um, what's uh, the status on? Uh, I uh, let me ping him real quick. All right. And I'm sure he uh, will be here momentarily. Hey, Juliet. Is that Juliet? Hey, how are you? It's a Juliet. Welcome back, Nomad. Hello, Illustrata. It's like running to my desk now. Here we go. Oh my god! I just like attempted to eat a full bowl of ramen in less than ten minutes. Mistakes were made. Yeah, I, I gorged pretty quickly too. Heck, um, what are you working on these days? I am knee deep in some product photography for a very cool um, company that does all the silent disco parties. So they, uh, <clears throat> if you've ever been to a silent disco at a festival or like outside of a club, they, uh, the DJ will be playing and people wear these wireless headphones and everybody gets the same signal broadcast to them. So from the outside, you just see a bunch of people dancing in silence. <laughs> but if you have the headphones, you hear the DJ that's playing. And so it's a really fun concept and they have multiple headphone models multiple colors that these things light up with. And so they needed new um, photography for their site and for their packaging. And so I am the guy. That's really cool. I really like the uh, concept of everybody dancing in silence with their headphones on. It's hey, so Bully's weird. here. What's up, buddy? Um, yeah, it's a hey. very strange thing the first time you see it. You just hear like the shuffling sounds of feet more than you hear anything else. It's very strange, but super cool. That is. Um, I'm getting out my notes here. Um, but hi, Bully. How are you? Hey, what up, Bully? Yes. Yes. What's yes. up? Yes. Coming straight out with the filters. <laughs> Good morning, GM, GM. GM, GM. Bully brings it hard. We're talking Woo! about eating ramen and salads, and Bully comes in full-blown wah filter. Almond butter. Almond butter sandwich. <laughs> How you doing, brother? It's on my Mediterranean diet. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. Thanks for having me. We're excited. We are excited. Uh. Kino and I's first time doing a space together, and so I thought, cool. who better to invite than my new collaborator and old-time friend, Mr. Bully Meow. Nice. So it's great to be here and great to meet Kino. You too. Um, what did you guys collaborate on? Um, APG, we'll, uh, we'll roll people up here in just a sec. I see you requesting. But yeah, uh, Bully Jeff, um, 
God, I'm multitasking. Uh, what, what's uh, your history together? You know, we used to uh, we used to play in a really popular acid jazz group in San Francisco that had so many players go through it in its in its uh, life that it's it's safe for me to say that I probably won't get doxxed. <laughs> <laughs> We don't even have to say the name of the band, which keeps it super mysterious. But yeah, yeah, that's how we met. I was playing saxophone and DJing with them. That was the 90s when every band had to also have a DJ. Remember those days where you had the guy that was just doing scratching on stage with the guitar players? So that's how we met. So awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. good times, good times. Yeah. In fact, I think, I think uh, Jeff was the first guy I think I performed with live that was scratching records, you know? He, he, he'd be like scratching the shout outs, like, wooka, wooka, hey, wooka, hey, you know, that kind of stuff. It was awesome. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Let's see. I've got all my pins up So here. Our, our, um, our current collaboration, you know, we were thinking of something to do together, um, you know, after we got in touch and I told them how much fun I had in 2021. Um, so, uh, we did a, we did a thing called bully box riffs. So I went over to his place with my talk box and I've been playing with talk boxes for a couple decades. Um, so I went over there and just messed around and he taped me, um, you know, doing these riffs and you put them all into little, really cool stylistic little, uh, vignettes, I would call them. Would you call them vignettes? That's a, that's a good word. I like that word today. Yeah, we took we took a I, I took a look at each like little mini collection within the overall collection, um, and did a and we're sort of getting ahead of ourselves. We were going to talk about this later, but hey, why not now? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, di- and did like really cool video treatments for each one that gave it a different sort of color and theme and style within the series. Um, and we did sixty nine of them because I mean, it seemed like a good why number. <laughs> And uh, it was a very big undertaking. I don't think either one of us realized what it was like to create 69 audio visual one of ones uh, and then get them all up and listed and and everything else. So, um, but it was a great, great time. And they're, they're relaunched this week. Right, buddy? Yes. In fact, um, I'll send you uh, the link, Kino, if you want to post it, that'd be awesome. But what had happened, we, uh, we had launched the collection on the Bully Meow show on Token Smart. And, uh, you know, one day I was, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a former degen, maybe, or maybe still currently a degen. Uh, we'll talk about what a degen is later. Um, but uh, I fell victim to a, a Twitter phishing attack. Uh, it was a, a Zook, a fake fake verified Azuki co-founder saying there was a drop with uh, magic beans. And uh, I just couldn't resist the magic bean because I know what it is. And uh, I got hacked and lost two of my nicest NFTs and they immediately cashed them out for 40 grand. And uh, my wallet was compromised and the bully box riff collection was on that wallet. So it was a, uh, it was an adventure, but I finally outwitted uh, the scumbags and I wrestled 
a bunch of my collections and NFTs back within two, took me like two months. <laughs> so we're back and I'm happy as ever. And I've stopped twitching from losing those NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. You know that song? I love that song. Anyway, I'm going <laughs> to um... stop talking. <laughs> Yeah, you're good. You're good. You're good. I um, just want to say hi to uh, Kanai and Wolf. Um, hey, friends. Uh, Julio, excuse me. Hi. Hi. You're like the most algorithmically relevant to me at the uh, very top here. For some reason, I thought you were a listener. Um, yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, welcome. Um, this is a redo of the Monday spaces that we used to have. Um, and I wanted to start off with a topic that seems a little relevant to all of our hearts right now. Um, as a reminder, this space used to be, and I am trying to reestablish, is uh, a goal to interrogate the state of art today and attempt to glean some insides into the future. Um, and this is for everybody, as always, under the creative umbrella. So whether you are a digital or traditional artist, photographer, sex worker, musician, a streamer, author, Web2, Web3, whatever, um, this is a space for you. And I completely welcome your thoughts and discussions here. Um, first, let me direct your attention to the first pin tweet above. If you scroll to the right, if you are introverted, nonverbal, or just not any space to talk, please go ahead and ask questions in that tweet. Um, you're also more than welcome to request and vibe on the proverbial couch up here with us. This space is as much yours as it is mine. Um, and if, if this is your first time in one of my Monday spaces, hi, welcome. I'm really happy to be doing these again. Um, and to that too, um, in order to discuss the future of art, I want to make sure that every voice is represented. Um, so again, whether you're web two, web three, AI, photographer, whatever, um, I want you up here, especially in this discussion, because it's going to help me move in particular directions with my own content selfishly. Um, so please share the room uh, by clipping the bubble on the bottom right and hitting retweet. Um, and also, yeah, um, requesting when you, uh, after the discussion starts, if you would, um, to uh, contribute your, thought, uh, your thoughts up here. Um, but first, um, being that this is Jeff in my first space, I want to gush about him just a little bit first. Um, Jeff and I, I don't know exactly when we met, but he was one of the like inaugural people within uh, the creative industry discord and um, has just a, a litany of history as far as his portfolio and interests are concerned. Um, currently, he is primarily a Web2 um, photographer, musician and um, uh, content creator. Um, but he has dipped his toes in Web3, and I thought that in particular he would um, have a lot of interest and contribution to this conversation um, because of his history. Um, so real quick, Jeff, do you want to uh, introduce yourself? Oh, thanks, Kino. A litany. A litany. I don't I think anyone's litany. ever used that word introducing me before. I love you. You're the best. Uh, the best boss. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm Jeff Straw. Uh, I've been making art since I was probably 13 and I'm a lot older than that now. Uh, I started playing saxophone as a young kid, started DJing back in college uh, and worked professionally in the music business for 20 plus years out here in San Francisco as a, as a multitude of different sort of roles within the music industry, um, but always played professionally and sort of made art and made music on the side. 
And about five years ago, I started decided to take my own destiny into my own hands and stop working for other people and started this photography and branding agency by buying myself a camera and a 50 millimeter lens and quitting my job. And that's how this started. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I had the support of my lovely wife, Hillary, to you know make a go of this. And it's been a, a really wild and, and fantastically fulfilling journey so far. Um, and I really sort of toe the line between music and photography and content creation. So I, I teach at a school called Icon Collective in Los Angeles. I teach music business and I teach branding and visual design. And most of my work centers, my photography work centers around music um, simply because that's where my network is. It's what I love to shoot. It's what I know. But I also work with small brands um, and companies doing product photography and things like that. So, you know, essentially I'm a freelance creative, freelance small agency, but I also play a lot of saxophone. This next three weeks, I've got 10 different gigs in San Francisco uh, between DJing and saxophone work. So, you know, I'm, I'm making a go at it here in my, you know, I'm, I'm pushing up on 50 years old and it's, it's great to see that, um, you know, I'm still getting work and people still trust me with their brand, still trust me with the vision of, of helping them design the, the, the look and feel of their brand in the music space. And it's, and I, and I care deeply about that world. So that's kind of the, you know, and oh, real quick, my, my web three entry, you know, I've got a few um, photo NFTs up. I uh, just relisted everything because a few things had expired. And so I just this weekend in preparation of the space relisted my few, um, I have two small collections and one that's a one of one. And then, you know, Bully and I talked about our, our collaboration piece, which is by far the, the sort of most uh, adventurous play I've done in Web3. But I've been watching the space a lot. I've certainly been trying to learn, um, learning more about AI, learning more about just Web3 in general. And, and you know, but I'm bringing a sort of traditional artist viewpoint and a Web2 artist viewpoint to this discussion. Um, and but obviously, a, a, like you said, a wealth of sort of experience around lots of different things in the creative space. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. An actual litany. Um, Odio. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do you want to um, introduce your friend uh, Bully while we're here, too? It's, I'm just excited to, uh, to have both of you and your experience here, but uh, don't know enough about Bully either. Can you introduce Bully? So, I, like I said, I've known Bully for what feels like forever, um, but his current iteration of of you know bully as bully not bully as the the human i knew before web3 existed is its own incredibly twist and turns and and he's done a lot of really cool art i i think probably bully you're probably better to speak on some of your own um um work than me but he he was really the coolest thing about this relationship is that he was my sort of mentor in creating my first nft and like understanding what the heck is a wallet and you know all of these beginner 101 questions he graciously walked me through step by step all of this stuff and so for for those of us that don't have that like it's so important to have a trusted person in this space that can help answer some of these things. And whether that's creative industries, discord and somebody like Kino, or you have a friend in the space, like, Oh my God, I'm just, I'm super grateful to you, bro. For, for Thank that. You. Yeah. Cause otherwise I wouldn't, I wouldn't ha have any idea. So and, and uh, talk, talk about, you. talk about some of your stuff, bud. Well, myself, I am, um, I'm a California native. And uh, I took on the guitar at age 13 
And by the end of high school, I knew I wanted to go to college and major in music. So it was pretty uh, cut and dry. So I went to uh, a state university that the music curriculum was centered on Latin jazz, because Latin jazz is one of the more difficult styles of jazz to play. And uh, I majored in jazz composition and arranging with a minor in audio production and film scoring. So, you know, real quick, uh, you know, d doing that, I saw uh, when I was a freshman, I knew all the seniors. So by the end of that, uh, that experience, all my friends had gone out into the world and they came back and gave me feedback and they were like, hey, this sucks. Like I'm playing cruise ships and I'm playing, <laughs> piano, playing piano at Macy's, getting tipped a hundred bucks. And, you know, then I remember the conversations of my recording teacher going, yeah, the max you're going to get is 20 bucks an hour. You better figure out a hustle when you get out there. You know, so, um, uh, you know, fast track this. I moved to San Francisco. I dropped out of college and moved to San Francisco with a funk band. Um, I had been doing a lot of front of house sound to work my way through, through college. So I would travel uh, the SF area with heavy metal bands. I had really big hair. And um, you know, moving through the San Francisco experience, uh, played in a lot of showcase bands and San Francisco clubs, started a recording studio in the mid nineties, got to engineer uh, some Grammy-nominated Grammy Latin jazz and support a triple platinum record that was released by a really popular local San Francisco band uh, called Train. Uh, I'll let that loose. There's a bunch of people's names on that record. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that's when the, uh, the internet came on and I just started my foray into early stage music technology. So I've been an early stage music technology entrepreneur for the last 20 years and uh that's kept me uh a working stiff you know it's really risky there's not a lot of money in it because it's really risky um so i've been through like five music startups um starting another one very soon and uh the early stage uh adventures brought me to meet uh, the wonderful ladies at Dada.nyc at the end of 2017. I had already been messing with uh, Bitcoin and I got them into the uh, South by Southwest uh, Accelerator. And it's a competition that I've been involved with for a good decade in the past. There's like 65 different advisors for that event. Um, so I met Bo out at Dada and she sold me Dada token number six, the, uh, the cat who is named, I always forget his name. Uh, I think it's, uh, Theo. Theo is his name and it's a historic NFT that is minted on the original CryptoPunks V1 smart contract. I know this is really geeky stuff, but yeah, that brings me up to, um, uh, getting into Web3 and just playing live music on uh, Discord when I met Rizzle in February hey, of 2021. Hey, Bully. Yeah. We, we should get into our content stuff that we've got prepped. I hate, to, I hate, I hate to cut you off, but I just That's looked the at the clock. the end of the story. Oh, there you go. I just looked at the clock and it's 1220. So I, had no, I thought it was like 1205. <clears throat> um, what do you got for me? 
So I'm I'm just passing it back to Kino because this is her 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 world. I'm just living in it. <laughs> I'll get on. Um, all right. Um, so like I mentioned before, I want this to be an open discussion. So if anybody has any thoughts that they have to contribute, please go ahead and uh, request. But yeah, let's uh, let's get into the topic. On um, the first. Um, if you are down there listening and you do want to write down any questions or feedback that you have, um, please use the bubble on the bottom right. Um, we, because of, you know, Monday spaces tend to get a little bit debatey sometimes. Um, so we welcome friendly debate and you are more than welcome to request at any time to contribute to a friendly debatey conversation. Um, I just want to make sure that we're not, you know, flinging shit at anybody <laughs> at this time. Um, scissor me is not available. Nobody gets to scissor me today. Very sorry. I don't know why Damn they it. took away clipping. I don't know why they took clipping away from me in spaces. Anyway, um, so the topic today is the role of Web3 in the future of art. And we picked that phrasing very deliberately. Not um, like what is the future of Web3 art, but rather the, the role of Web3 in the future of art, i.e. Um, with our projections of where artists are going, how we're making money and uh, moving in the space and, of course, creating art. Um, what does Web3, what, what role does Web3 have to do with that? And I think that now is kind of an opportune time to have this discussion because there's a lot of poor feelings around Web3 right now. And I think that it's causing a lot of us to pause with how we engage so heavily with Web3. Um, so those are some things that I want to pick apart is um, like, for example, if you have any stories to share about like mistakes that you made, maybe putting all of your eggs in one basket and um, how you think that leveraging Web 2 perhaps could have kept you safer, for example. Um, those are thoughts that I definitely want to hear. Um, but first, I, I think that I want to open it up by identifying what the role of Web 3 is for art. Um, because we obviously think about it as NFTs and things like that, but we've had a multitude of discussions that Web3 is not just NFTs. It could be licensing through blockchain, um, uh, excuse me, uh, licensing through blockchain, but we don't have those foundations up yet. Um, it could be uh, private licensing as well and things like that, um, or getting hired by a Web3 um, institution or a company to create content, art, whatever for them. Um, so there's a multitude of ways that I think Web3 should be able to manifest for artists but I feel like we're still applying very much, uh, we're, we're still applying a lot of um, Web2 foundations to how we move within a Web3 space. So, um, yeah, initially, um, I suppose I'll, uh, I'll pass it on to, to Bully first, if that's okay. Um, how, what, what is the, the transition for you between uh, Web2, how you engage as a musician with Web2 and with Web3? I, I, you know, I chose Bully Meow to be a native metaverse musician, so I may never appear on a club stage, and my music may never appear on Spotify. It is truly decentralized, and I'm really here for the future of live performance in a VR and Web3 environment. So I can't really speak to, I mean, if I change my hats and go like, oh, let me advise you as a musician, 
you know it, it's really rough if you don't like it stay out i mean there is a lot of negative connotations and you could be you know some people uh more popular musicians you know i.e famous major labels uh, could be considered a, a money grab unless you have the resources to follow up and you know actually maintain the community and such you know or if you're just a superstar that can release a, a token with no utility and no community that still inherently projects value, then woo, you've hit a home run. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay, let me uh, call on Abish and I'll uh, I'll keep going. Thank you, Abish. Let me try and get him back up here. Abish, hi. Abishak? Go ahead, Brent. All right, Jeff, did you have a uh, response? So from, for me, while he's getting his mic sorted out, you know, this is, um, it's still speculative, right? Because I've only dipped my toes into this world. And so, but what I know bringing from web two is that, you know, the proverbial all our eggs in one basket is never a good thing as a creator, as a creative, simply because as soon as one thing dries up, then you're left in a, a dry riverbed, right? And so the hope with any artist, and when I coach musicians or teach artists and produ music producers, I'm always really leaning into, God, we have to diversify revenue streams. You have to make the most of the art that we make and, and the most of our brands so that we have the ability to pull from different revenue streams, whether that's, you know, attention revenue or monetary revenue um, in any sort of crypto or traditional currency, right? Because even attention re really is something that's hard to come by these days in this attention-starved sort of um, populace that we're facing so whether whether we're bargaining for attention or we're, we're trying to actually transact and earn money we have to have multiple streams of that coming in and so what for me web3 i think is going to become a bigger and bigger piece of that a bigger and bigger you know stream if you will instead of the droplet <laughs> that it is now but i'm also very very uh understanding of none of this gets developed easily or quickly and, and we get out of it what we put into it. And so where I've put my focus and, and time isn't in this space yet. And that's why it's not showing me returns on investments um, in terms of, of time. Where I am seeing returns is in my, you know, sort of freelance client work because that's where I focus. And so if we're in, and I'm very curious to hear my friend Juliet and her take because I know she has d dove completely headfirst into this world um, as a photographer and um, is someone I admire her work and hopefully she's not AFK right now. Yay, there she is. Um, because I'm, you know, somebody that's got so much more depth in this world, I think is better served to answer it. But, uh, but my, my big takeaway is we have to diversify as best we can. Hi there. Thank you. Hello. I see you. Hi. <laughs> my friend. Um, Jeff, it's so nice to see you here. I wasn't really going to talk because I'm Christmas shopping. I'm on my lunch hour. But, yeah, I kind of don't have much time to do the other social platforms anymore. And I'm just enthralled with the technology and learning everything I can and meeting the people in Web3. And I love it. So 
Uh, I've had some hiccups along the way over the past, what, year and a half, and uh, I'm getting those sorted out slowly but surely, but it all takes a lot of time. Can't think of much else. No worries. Thanks, friend. Oh, okay. Um, so, wait, uh, Jeff, you were talking about, yeah. um, oh, Bolly, do you have something to say? I'm good. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, so I, I kind of want to analyze, um, when we were talking about income streams, we are talking about a learning curve. Um, not only that, but I usually want my artists to contextualize whatever product they're thinking about um, providing to people in a funnel or some sort of method that makes sense to the rest of their products. Um, namely, like a, uh, a, 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 what's it called? Oh, a value ladder for the most part. So how do we basically add value to our collectors or to our customers in a means that keeps them within our funnel, keeps them um, advocates of our work and um, creates cyclical passive income for us, right? Um, so when we're talking about income generation and the different types of income that you're able to make, um, Web3, of course, of course, is a... Um, I hesitate to say a method because there are obviously methods within the methods. It's a container, I suppose, of how we can deliver um, certain types of products to people um, via the blockchain, via service, whatever that is. Um, Web3 is a, a container. Um, but do you think, or rather, I'm sorry, um, I think that the primary block, though, to Web3 is that learning curve. And there's so much to learn that isn't innate. It does not follow um, a very specific workflow in order to onboard somebody into the technology. So I'm not necessarily talking about the income streams when I'm talking about onboarding someone, because a lot of those, again, do follow Web2 parameters. I'm talking about onboarding to understand the technology and the utilities and self-custody that Web3 provides for you. But... Um, do you think that onboarding to Web3 compares to onboarding into other income streams? And can we expect artists to really not expect maybe, but but what, what are your thoughts around um, the, the equality, I suppose, of Web3 and Web2 and how uh, we onboard uh, people onto it um, to make sure that, you know, this this is something that they have success in? It's a really good mirror to the sort of traditional and I guess you could call it web two world, you know, in I'll mirror this with music because it's what I knew best. The when I was growing up, the the only way you'd hear music was uh, uh, your friend turned you on to something or the guy at the record store turned you on to something or you listen to the radio. But God knows even then the radio wasn't great. But in order for a music artist to get in the position where their record was at the front of the store or their record was even in the store was a, a multitude of complexities around how to get a deal, how to get a manager, how to get a lawyer that was willing to represent you into getting a major or a large indie deal. And there was a ton of like complexities and sort of dark corners that were just not really you had no way of learning this kind of stuff. It, it just wasn't common knowledge. And there wasn't, there was no YouTube. There was no, maybe there's a book or two written on it, but it was very mysterious, let's call it. And um, what you found was that the, uh, uh, 
as a result, it was like super homogenized, what would get pushed by the majors. And if you weren't on a major, you, you simply weren't, you didn't have na national reach for your music. You became a local band that maybe pressed some CDs and sold them at your shows and your friends bought them. You know, today, um, it's similar in that it's confusing, but at least there's a roadmap. Like at least you can find some step-by-step -step guides to sort of self-publishing, if you will, within Web3. And at, at least the information is out there. It doesn't mean it's less confusing because I do think that it's, it, like you said, it's a steep, steep learning curve. And I think what happens is, is people see, artists see, uh, oh, this looks like an interesting space. Maybe an artist that I follow is now in this space and I've seen their their work within Web3 and I'm curious, I should do this too. I wonder how to do it. And they hit the first or second technology hurdle and it's too much for them and they, and they give up. Um, or it's one of those things where it becomes the forever, oh yeah, I'm gonna do that. Like, oh yeah, I'm totally gonna start a YouTube channel once I get my a better camera or once I have my better lights, or once it's always like the once I get the XYZ in place. And I feel like so many artists are stopped internally through what they think are external um, um, blocks, but it's really a, a lack of motivation, a lack of discipline to just push through and say, you know, I could do this, I just need to put in the time. And so I don't know if that really answers your question, but but hopefully it kind of illuminates my perspective on it, which is that it is confusing. There is a big learning curve, but the information's out there and the resources are out there if people are motivated enough to find them and actually take the steps to follow them. And I think that the lack of intuitiveness, if that's an English word, um, is um uh, is a big boundary for people. And of course, we've also Huge. had the past two years of fear in this space. And now we're going through a market collapse. And there's a lot of provability that Web3 is not the future. And I vehemently disagree with that. Um, but uh, can you mute yourself, Jeff? I'm sorry, you type and type and type and sorry, friend. Um, I, I vehemently disagree with that, but I can I'd like certainly understand the, the observations that people are making from an outside perspective, of course. Um, but <laughs> to that same degree, though, I hate to like red herring this. Uh, there are people that start an Etsy store and fail every single day. There are photographers who get into prints and fail every single day, licensing and fail every single day. And like I said, Web3 is a container for your income. It is not the, uh, the actual income that you are making. There's, again, NFTs, licensing, and a bunch of other Web2-based parameters that we are working with. And all of those are very valid. Um, however, with the, the onboarding opportunities that we have, I think where we failed and why Web3 was originally so exciting was that community aspect, was WAGMI, we're all going to make it. And that's gone. That is not something that anybody is championing or praising anymore. And there's a couple of different reasons for that, obviously. Um, I think that a lot of people became jaded early last year and recognize that, well, we're not actually really supporting everybody, are we? Or that um, we had a lot of uh, corporations and big brand names come in and just wreck the space for as much money as they could, and then they left. Um, so I think that like the, the attraction of Web3 and that bypass of onboarding people was community. But do you feel like we're moving away from that? Do you think that that is something that is still like available and revivable or revivable rather, excuse me? Um, 
and uh, before I, uh, I call back on Jeff, I just want to remind everybody that this is a uh, open forum um, or bully too. Hi. Um, remind everybody that uh, this is an open stage. You are more than welcome to come up, uh, share your experience, thoughts. Um, I'm more than happy to uh, to hear you. Also, um, thank you guys for retweeting this space too. Um, appreciate you. Appreciate you. Bully, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Just on your, your comment on the, the big company that came and took the money on left. Who, who was that? I'm trying to figure that out. Um, gosh, was it an Adidas? Adidas was famously one Gucci. Did Gucci come in too? I can't remember. There were like a bunch of big brand names that, uh, that swiped in. I can Google it. Well, j- j- just as a, uh, you know, kind of a, a different view from what I've seen, you know, those, ba- those brands that you mentioned are probably very, very healthy in web three still. And the big, the big player that came in and drained a lot of equity out of the ether ecosystem for art and music was the Board Ape Yacht Club and their sale yeah. of the uh, land that sucked a half a billion dollars of equity out of the system. And I have to comment that they didn't go anywhere. They're still here and they still support their community. Whether uh, it's very elite and out of many people's price range, and I compare it to a, a poker table when it comes to some of these NFTs. Can you afford to go to that poker table? No? Then don't worry about it. Don't, don't go to that poker table. Go to the one you like. But anyway, I just wanted to you know, comment on your, your sentiment that somebody came in and raped it and left. Um, I don't think that's the entire story, but um, the FTX story is definitely on point with your comment. And I'll stop talking there. Yeah, I, I want to add, um, you know, to the point of NF, or Etsy stores launching and failing and photographers launching print stores and failing, you know, the it's sad but true. Completely agree with it. The other piece is this this notion of Web3 being the container not that Spotify is really the container or iTunes was the container, but it's similar. Like it's the market. And for the longest time, you know, I was a sort of early proponent in digital distribution of music, um, working at one of the big distributors. People thought that just because my music was on iTunes, I was going to make it. Or just because I was able to get on Spotify, I was going to make it. And and to the outside world, that might be impressive or that used to be impressive, you know, to mom and dad is, oh, well, look, I'm on iTunes. Uh and it just doesn't mean anything without a brand and without a community to support. So it's like simply just by getting something into a digital storefront now, which Web3 in some ways is is very similar to that, depending on which ecosystem you're in. It's not enough to simply be there. You have to build community. You have to build awareness. You have to add some sort of value to the people, the collectors, the fans, the the community in order for them to give a shit enough to, to hand over their hard-earned cash or ETH or whatever that is, um, or even their attention, which to me, and I know I've said it before, it, it's so hard to come by attention. And I'm always so, so grateful for people that come to you know my create more rooms or watch my videos or anything, simply because that is a way of giving back, right? Um, I can't pay my rent in attention, but it, but it helps build the brand. So Without those things going on, simply being listed in a NFT marketplace it isn't going to make it for anyone, just like being listed on iTunes isn't going to make it for a band or a music artist. And so what now? Like, what's next? How do we find attention? How do we build attention? How do we provide value 
and find those potential collectors. And that's, I think, what your question was getting at, Kino, which is like, is there still space for an ability to build that community back up since the sort of sentiment within the community has some, the, the larger community has changed? Can we still build these grassroots, smaller communities to care about our art? And I, I don't have an answer to that, I'm, but I'm, I'm forever an optimist and think that the answer has to be yes. Yeah. What the hell are we doing here, right? So Yeah, yeah. The, 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 uh, the container thing, I'm starting to get it. And uh, you're, you're totally right. Like if you just get list, you just list your stuff on OpenSea, right, which is like a huge open marketplace, you know, you're going to need a lot of help. Right. But if you work at your community and they help you get into like super rare as an artist, you've got a little edge up, but you still got to work for it, you know. So uh, and then with the music, you know, a lot of it right now on Web3 or NFTs is, you know, more, uh, I'd say, uh, uh, poppy and dance music, you know. So there's a, a lot of uh, curation going on, a lot of gatekeeping. But uh, again, if that's your style of music and you get your community hype, you know, you can make it into catalog or sound.xyz. And those communities can help you rise up and above, you know, just being on like an open, decentralized marketplace. Juliet, after you. Hi there. I just thought of something, uh, the gatekeeping and the the community helping you get into super rare. I, I am starting to feel again, like coming from the gallery world, the gatekeeping is starting to happen here all over again. And it's just a point I thought I would throw out there. How do we, how do we deal with that as artists now that that's starting to happen in this space? I mean, I love curated spaces and the people are, uh, you know, building those things together with artists are doing amazing projects, but it's still hard for us not so famous artists to participate. That's all. That's actually exactly where I wanted to go. Um, yeah, so when, when I mentioned that there are all kinds of brands that did come on, like Adidas, of course, was one of them, Gucci, Tiffany, Dolce Gabbana, Nike, um, all of those brands are ones that came in. Um, and the unfortunate thing is that when we say they rubbed somebody, that all depends upon your perspective sometimes. Um, like, for example, G-Money got his ass kicked for um, his involvement with, uh, with Adidas. Um, and I think that we've, we've built, you know, over the course of two years, because of scams, because of rugs, because of all of these things, we have lost a lot of trust within the community at large, which means that the only, um, the only tool that we had to make sure that new people are onboarded into the space is now gone. So we don't have a community of people that are able to make sure that Web2 um, makes that bridge into Web3 in a safe and meaningful way. Um, and then to that as well, um, a lot of artists that, that I talk to, um, Juliet included, um, Brittany, for example, is, is another one, um, is very vocal about how um, the community feels very gatekept. So like Bully, um, you mentioned earlier, um, getting with your community to make it to Super Rare, for example. Um, and there's a lot of negative sentimentality around that um, because of that, that gatekept element, because they do feel like um, merit should be based upon your art, not necessarily your community. Um, I'm not making an argument or a point there. I'm just analyzing it, but I'll let you go because you unmuted. Go ahead. 
Yeah, you know, when it comes to the gatekeeping, it's it's an unfortunate thing that happens in the art and music world, you know? So you just got to rise above it somehow. Like, um, I've been denied by these um, platforms, you know? But I just go back into my token smart uh, community, right? And it's just a welcoming place that I could go play music and interview people, you know, talk to the community, introduce my new music for the week, um, you know, and just keep looking for collaborations and releasing them on your own smart track, uh, your smart contract. Um, I use Manifold, which is free, you know, so I'm not like a slave to any particular platform as long as they're on the Ether blockchain, right? Uh, my collections should appear and anybody should be able to transfer, buy, or sell them. Um, yeah, gatekeeping, just rise above it. I mean, give, just give people a reason to let you through the gate, I guess. I mean, I've experienced it my whole life. I need to digest what you mean by rise above it. Um, so I'm going to call on Jeff if, uh, if you've got a response to that. I, you know, I come from everything is gatekeep, gatekept, gate, gate, gatekeepered. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what the past tense form of that word is, but, <laughs> um, you know, the, the music world is just notorious for it. And, you know, what I've found that works for me sort of personally and what I preach to students and clients and things like that is, uh, A, your work has to be great. Like nobody's going to help you out if your music sucks and in the broader scope of things here, your art sucks. Now, granted, that's that's subjective. I understand. But there are certainly, at least within music, there's certain production elements and there are certain things like that that sort of make you have a at least professional level of work. And I think we all kind of know what that is in our own vertical. That being said, it's network. It's it's how do who do you know that's either an artist you can collaborate with? Who do you know that um, has opportunities that are potentially viable for you. And, and, and in turn, how can I as an artist provide value to them so that maybe there's something we can do together. Maybe there's a way that we can work together. It's not simply like, let me just spam my music to every single record label in the country in the hopes that someone will sign me. It's much more, people have better luck when they they, they're able to carve out a relationship with a small label or, or an owner and, and get signed in that way, right? And so I know this is sort of a, a much more of an old school methodology, and it doesn't necessarily translate word for word to, to Web3. But I do think that building our own network of people that support us, you sort of, the way to rise above gatekeeping is to become undeniable in your own uh, uh, community, your own power, your own art in, in such that they have to sort of take notice. I think that's what Bully was saying. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, bro, but I, I think like that. Like, that. I like yeah. That. Thank you. Thank you. You and, know, the, and, like, um, and I hate to keep talking. So before I forget this, but I hate to keep sure. talking about fucking major labels and those of you non-musicians in here are probably sick of it already. But if you get signed to a major label deal as a small band, it's likely that you aren't going to get a very good deal. Whereas if you tour and you have a massive following in your own and then you go and, and you get signed, you have more leverage and, and you have more of that undeniability as an artist. And so I think that for all of us in any space, if we can build a fan base, if we can build a community, if we can build 
become undeniable. That's when, it, you know, super rare and any of these sort of platforms are, are, are going to sort of either welcome us with, with open arms or at the very least, let us, let us through the gates. That, that's my take. I think I figured out what bothers me about it so much. Um, but before I uh, go into it, I want to say hi to Fede and James and Buzz and Ian. Ian, you've got a big brain. Um, oh, my goodness. If you want to join this at any time, please request. I would love to hear your uh, your thoughts. Go ahead, Bully. Oh, my goodness. I have to say uh, hello to the to Nyan Cat guy. We have a legend in the room, PR guitar man. The creator of Nyan Cat is in the room, and I'm just so geeked that he's here. Woo! Woo-hoo. All right. So, so what bothers me? What bothers me is that you guys are talking about Web two. You're literally talking about Web two marketing. You're talking about yeah, like rising above it, and um, you're, you're talking about individualism. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about individualism. Individualism rules Web two because it's every fucking artist for themselves, and everybody has to figure it out for themselves. And I think what bothers me so much is that Web three again was founded on community. It was founded on Wagmi. It was founded on everybody is going to make it because we're all going to support each other to learn the skills to succeed, build wealth, whatever that is so like rise above it just feels to me like it's just more web 2 and that's not a solution that's why we made web 3 as a um as an evolution away from what web 2 is um so bully i'm not saying that like i'm, I'm bothered by you and the response but it, it bothers me because that's not web 3 that's everything that like it's it's not supposed to be um but the the problem, though, too, is that we still don't have the foundations or the structures other than, I mean, I hesitate to say, ha the creative industry. We don't really have the resources that are free access. We don't have communities that enable people to learn from each other um, and garner support in a way. And that's kind of why I'm about to change my entire business structure and discord and everything to, to better support that. Um, but it just like it, it doesn't exist. So like, of course, individualism is the only thing that we have right now. Of course, every artist needs to rise, rise above it and, uh, and make it themselves. Um, but I just want to acknowledge that that's more the same of what we've been doing since the Renaissance, you know? Fair. You're both no. muted. <laughs> no, I just said fair. That was it. I agree. Big Brainians coming up here. Bully, uh, did you get rubbed? Or are you still there? I'm here. Oh, okay. Just want to make sure. Thank you. Sorry, friend. You're unmuted. Ian, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's uh, I'm, I'm... Big Brain <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I, I, I paused for a bit there because I've been half listening as I try and get work done. And then I, I noticed that uh, Elnaz has a, a, an open edition uh, that I need to grab, and uh, I, I was going to, to to grab that before I came into the space, or bef- before I jumped up on the stage. But I haven't done that yet. So uh, here, here's hoping that I remember after I ramble at you or ramble with you. Um, I, I definitely agree uh, w- with what you're saying about the the distinction between Web two and Web three, and how uh, current behavior is really. Um, uh, modeling uh, 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 or manifesting uh, or uh, continuing the mindset uh, born of, of web 2 with web 3 of course one of the one of the key 
well, a few of the key factors related to it as, as uh, is pertinent to art are the whole provenance side of things. Um, you know, it's clearly established when a piece uh, hits a blockchain. Um, another, uh, another important factor, and we've seen how Web2 um, uh, models uh, crossing over to Web3 fail in this regard, and that, that's with the whole borderless, uh, accessible to all side of things, where people based on their political region of, of residency have been deplatformed by centralized marketplaces. And, and that's a very Web2 thing. Uh, Web3 should, uh, when fully embraced, completely uh, thwart any attempts at gatekeeping in that, in that regard. Um, that applies to art as well, as well as business. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there and give you a chance to, to respond if you wish. I, I again, I think that that was the attraction to Web three, um, provenance, um, open access, and again, a global movement where everybody is included. Um, but the platforms that we have weren't built for that Web three philosophy. They were built for profit and to support, sure, a budding technology, and um, they they certainly grew with us. But at the end of the day, they're still here for the money not necessarily for you know quote unquote the culture um as much as you know we we want to think that they actually do champion that and i i don't want to like sit up here and say oh every single corporation is bad like fuck open sea um but they are still a business they do still have their um they they they, they certainly do have their their philosophies of course but um, yeah, they, they aren't a community. They aren't a movement. And what was so, again, attractive about Web3 as that movement was global access, open access. It was for everybody. Um, I'm speaking in circles now. I'm sorry. Um, just I'm. I'm frustrated by this conversation suddenly. And um, I mean, most of you guys, most, no, no, most of you know what I believe in. And I want to find a solution to all of this. So that's like one reason that I'm, I'm selfishly having this conversation with you guys. Um, well, you, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that everybody can agree with. It's a lot better in the bull. <laughs> so it's a good time to build. This is a good time to build. That's what everybody says. So if you got the time and the inclination, the wherewithal, dare to fail, now's the time to build with some of that extra time you have and wait for the bull. I'm going to stop talking. Well, uh, and go ahead. You know, it, it, it's very, for, for me, uh, to see what's happened in the past year, I, it's heartening uh, for me to see what is happening with Manifold. I'm, I'm glad that they have continued on their, on the trajectory they, they, they set, set about on. Um, and there are more features coming. If you look on their FAQ page, you know, they, they are 
looking at, uh, at providing an offering where there's more of a, a, a listing functionality, not simply the, the gallery uh, sort of uh, feature that has recently been released. And so th they are continuing to evolve. And it, it's, very, it's very interesting and curious to see because uh, with their Web3 mindset that, that has been uh, really apparent uh, with Web2 uh, still, uh, still having the taste of Web2 in our mouths, sometimes you wonder, well, okay, what's the catch? But, uh, uh, and waiting for the other shoe to drop. But r really, with their approach to things, um, there, there isn't another shoe to drop because everything that people are doing uh, are, are wholly controlled by their own signatures, their own wallets. So it, it really is fantastic to see. It's fantastic to see the likes of, of uh, uh, DECA, um, you know, they, they are currently uh, centralized, but they have a decentralized, uh, long view. And, and so I'm, I'm bullish on, on DECA. Uh, I think they're doing fantastic things and really the pace at which they've been evolving, uh, adding community features the, and, and the ability to comment and that it's, it's really what this space needs. And uh, so, uh, I, I've got my eyes on Manifold, I've got my eyes on DECA, and I'm very excited by them both. How do you feel, Ian, um, about the movement away from WAGMI to the individualistic ways that, I mean, artists, corporations, um, uh, founders, whoever, um, profit off of the space now? So that, that movement away from WAGMI to, to individualism with, uh, with how we move. How do you feel about that, or what are your observations? Well, there there have been uh, a couple of uh, undercurrents. There there are two. Uh, it's a dichotomy, really. You've got the people who are yes, we're all going to make it, um, and then there are those that, uh, for whatever reason, you know, life, uh, uh, their their own uh, assessment and calculus of things uh, that uh, that are really cynical or down on the concept that no we're not all going to make it it's still uh, it's still a, a dog eat dog or fight for your position in in uh, on the pile on the mountain where wherever it is uh, whatever analogy you want to use and so i think that it is possible for us all to make it in a fashion what constitutes making it uh, to one person might not look like, yeah, I've made it to another. Um, and so really, th th I think the definition of what what does making it mean uh, is really key to that kind of kind of argument uh, or, or pondering. Mm, I need to ponder on the pondering with that one. Um... But uh, to to this context, though, um, Wolf Maximus actually asked a, a really good question to this. Um, the question is, what is the context of gatekeeping? Web3 Tech still does that, does this, excuse me, with quote unquote token gated, where communities are held behind a paywall and have now become a quote unquote status symbol. Just like Web2, we have an option not to gatekeep. The solution lies with human nature, not the tech. Um, I've covered this a million times in my other Monday spaces. Um, I apologize for the broken record, uh, but Maximus, I completely agree with you. 
Um, I think that part of the reason we lost the foundations of Web3 is because human nature was not ready for the philosophy of Web3. Um, I think that we moved into individualistic philosophies and ways that we move because that's what we're used to, because it is still dog eat dog. And until our foundations change, our philosophies change, and especially um, the way that we profit changes, or at least like look at profit and what we think about that. Um, I, I don't know if Web3 it, it will exist. I think that it's going to be more Web2 and, and what we're seeing today. Uh, let me grab Levin up here. But uh, yeah, Jeff Bully, Ian, response? Ian, I just wanted to echo on Ian's thought around what constitutes making it for one individual or one artist it looks very, very different than the next. And, and that just struck me as... Hmm something to ponder on, I think, to, to echo what you said, my friend. But um, e even asking, you know, budding artists, budding producers of any sort, you know, w w why is it that you want to make art? People come from a variety of different backgrounds and have a variety of different thoughts around what is what is winning, what does it look like to, to be a success in some way, shape, or form? And that's very, very, very different for, for every individual. And so something to consider in this conversation. So thanks for bringing that up, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as the, the wag me thing, um, you know, being online a lot in this community being uh, NFT, NFT Twitter, I would say, uh, crypto Twitter, whatever you want to call it. You know, the wag me thing, it's, it kind of, I always thought it was a marketing thing, right? You got the influencers, they're doing the Twitter place, the spaces, wag me, wag me, LFG, LFG, LFG. I mean, it's so, I mean, I never really took it as like, we're all going to make it. I mean, and it was really easy to see after getting into collecting that it's kind of like musical chairs, right? The, the, you get the mint, you got the rarities, who's going to get out before the collection either goes sideways or goes down. I mean, it was all very much, um, as far as the PFPs and, and a lot of the mints, you know, it's like gambling. I mean, it's not, it wasn't wag me. I mean, sure, there is a, I think there's a, a thriving community of wag me people out there, but they're they're gated. They're gated by the ownership of a token, right? I think more of the open communities may be on the, right now, or the Discord channels, but some people bum on Discord and da 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 And there's a lot of open communities on Twitter spaces like this. I'll stop talking. And I, I'll, I'll speak after Eleven Art Group has had a chance. They've got their hand up. After you, Eleven. Oh, hey, everybody. I uh, finally got my Twitter spaces working. I don't know if you had experienced it, but mine had blown out for about 48 hours. I don't know what was going on. So I hope I'm coming across okay. And Perfectly. No yes, sir. Matrix nonsense, as it were, so to speak. Um, um, I've, I've kind of bopped around in a lot of spaces and have enjoyed the ones that you've run before. But I, I you know, I'm going to comment on this wag me component. Um, <clears throat> having worked in the physical art world for about 40 years as an advisor, and I still 
have an advisory with clients and also having been involved in this end of the uh, spectrum, so to speak, too, for about 10 years. And um, I don't want anybody to think like I'm trying to, I discussed this before in a room a couple of weeks ago and some people got really cross with me feeling like I was um, being a Debbie Downer. And, and I, that is not the intent of this. This is just when this issue comes up and I speak to it, I'm speaking from, you know, a number of decades of experience and having spoken a great deal at, you know, universities and museums uh, to, to artists, uh, you know, and trying to be what as realistic with them as I can be, being that I think in most educational, uh, doctoral and, and, and master's, you know, level courses anyways, there's precious little discussion, though there has been more about business and the reality, so to speak, of the art market and the art world, which are two different things, but they are related, of course. Um, so two points. The first is, and I don't want this to sound horrible, but I think for most and please, nobody throw rocks again. <laughs> but I think you have to accept most likely that you will be a, a poor in terms of financial. I mean, even though we all see in the art world, whether it's the physical art world, with you know, things like Art Basel, Miami Beach and the auctions and all the crazy numbers we hear. I was sitting in the room at the Paul Allen sale a few weeks ago bidding, you know, with, you know, one point six billion dollars coming under the hammer in two hours on 60 items. Whether you see that art world of astronomical prices or you see the, you know, the digital, um, whatever you want to call it, NFT world of astronomical prices, as you, you know, all witnessed about 18 to 24 months ago with a lot of the high flying PFP projects and one of ones that, you know, it, you know, Beeple, 69 million, so on and so forth. There's a lot of glitz. There's a lot of glamour. And truthfully, there's a lot of um, junkie like behavior in that. But you have to remember that realistically, only 1% of 1% of 1% of 1% of 1% of artists become not rich off their artwork. I'm not talking about rich, but become successful. And usually the metric of success is being able to kind of do what you want, when you want, the way you want, and with whom you want to do it. Um, I understand that most artists in the room and in these spaces that I participate in legitimately and very well may feel overlooked, under-recognized, underpaid. But I have to say to them that you have to start feel, feeling sorry for yourself. That should not be the primary reason why you're doing this in the first place. If you're here for financial transactionality, there's a lot more efficacious ways to make money than there is being an artist, whether it's related to NFTs or it's simply out in the physical world. And I don't care what your medium is, whether it's visual art, whether it's music, whether it's dance, whether it's architecture, whether, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, but if you're here fundamentally for transactionality, you are in the wrong place to begin with. That would be the first point. And the second point is this issue of defining success, which somebody was speaking to earlier. And I think it's very important um, with this wag me kind of nonsense I sort of hear. I think artists and I tell them to be very careful. You know, the typical answers that I hear when I have these discussions are things like, well, what's going to bring me? How do you define success? Well, money, obviously, is one of those things. You hear happiness again. I'm, I'll get to that. Freedom. And that's back to doing, I think, what you want, when you want, how you want, with whom you want. And even sometimes just having a community of artists, which is very popular in these spaces, you know, appreciating what you do and, and that you get to interact with on a regular basis. I think that's a, a, another definition of success. But when it comes to happiness, I have to tell these same artists and again, I'm being very honest. This is, you know, 40 years of my experience, not to be silly, 
because a lot of successful people, and by success, I'm defining that metric, having enough money to do what you want, are actually unhappy and miserable. And a lot of very happy people I know aren't terribly successful by that metric. I mean, I'm considered to be successful, I would probably say by most financially. And I admit fully in front of all of you to being confused and secure and probably moody as fuck most of the time, to be quite honest. Um, the point I'm trying to get at here is that success and happiness live on different sides of the tracks. And you can't confuse those two things with one another. So that's kind of the points that I wanted to bring up to you and, 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 and to the room. That's fantastic. Very glad that I, I, I asked you to go first. <laughs> um, uh, building, building on that, I think that looking at a, a project like um, what Dan Sickles is, is working on with the new, new Here XYZ uh, documentary film of, the, of so many people in the space, you know he's an independent film milker, milker maker that uh, that stepped away from the Hollywood uh, manner of doing things because it was too closed off, too too restrictive, to yeah, to this, to that, uh, and 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 go, going his own, uh, cutting his own path, and uh, and and doing this with Web three for uh for his his next uh, documentary really really made sense the open community side of it made sense and his approach really kind of fits with uh, with the mindset that i think is is best off here with their i think they've got some 160 180 hours of footage of interview footage and uh yeah they're going to be producing a one and a half to two hour documentary or feature feature length uh documentary but all of the that other stuff, all of the material, is going to be put in a, 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 an open access repository that anyone can use. Some people are welcome to use it to make their own version of the film, or highlight different parts of the space, or uh, you know, so so creating something and and making it accessible to the greater good. And I think this this ties into the the topic of gatekeeping. You know, when when you're looking at a uh, at a PFP project, a 10K project, where people are hoping that they'll find exit liquidity in order to profit. Well, that that's not really uh, the 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 vibe of of the Web three philosophy o overarching it all. It's uh, some people that come to the space that want to get rich quick, kind of thing. Um, and the, can I see a, a, a use case or a place for a gated community? Yes, I, I imagine if I didn't take too long, uh, I, I'd be able to come up with some, some reasonable uh, scenarios for that. But really, I think what we need is more uh, open, uh, open access, open community kinds of things. You know, I, I'm, I've been collecting for months and, and uh, decided or was convinced to start releasing my own art, and, and I did. And in looking at what has been happening uh, in, in the space, uh, I've been happy to see that, uh, that open editions have become more of a thing. One of the things in listening to spaces months ago about uh, the, the projects that were, were all the rage uh, before the bear set in, there were artists in in this uh, space that was held, and and the the ask was, 
please, for the love of God, could could someone uh, launch one of these projects where the the uh, price of admission is uh, is attainable for for the little person, uh, so to speak, you know, where uh, you you don't have to spend the price of a car. Uh, in order to get that that token that lets you uh, be a member of that community, um, and, and really that that resonated so so strongly with so many people in that room. Uh, if you're if you're looking to build community, that that's not the same thing as if you're looking to do the equivalent of uh, seed round funding from people that want to jump on your bandwagon uh, two two very different things and so for for myself i i yeah i i will do uh, an open edition and uh, it's going to be next to free because it's uh, uh, it, it's not about uh, seed round funding for me it's about okay who wants to be part of my community uh, and i think that that that's uh, that's something that we need to keep in mind as we're building, uh, when we're doing things bigger than perhaps our own art careers. If there are projects involved, what's the purpose of it? Do you really want to restrict your audience to 10,000 people when the hope of many in the space is that we're going to have uh, millions of people here? I think that, oh God, I have so much to respond to with that. Um, I don't want to start with a lecture though. We're talking about this. Okay. Um, so Web3 optimism of, of open source and full transparency are, are great, but I think that we lost a lot of community. And I'm sorry, broken record from last year, if you guys have been in my spaces before, we don't have that human need to coordinate because a lot of us don't understand discoverability factors. So we've got this, again, new container, that's Web3, but we didn't foundationally understand how to discover other people, other communities, other languages, other um, people within geographics that have the same kind of art that we do. So I think that we we created this um, homogenous, I think is the right word. Um, is it the right word? Um, we created a, um, a, a communities that, that are, are, are small bubbles rather than this like crazy global movement that we were championing. So I, I think that, that that lack of discoverability um, is kind of what happened um, that, uh, that created um, an ecosystem where now we are vulnerable to corporate takeover. Um, and I think that that's that's easy, easy, easy to track um, just because, you know, they're going to follow the money and the ease of access for customers and onboarding. We did the job of onboarding people into Web3 uh, through community, but due to our lack of understanding of how to support and cultivate that community left, therefore there was corporate takeover. And I, I'm dying. I'm dying to see um, new platforms. I'm going to try my best not to shill while I talk about this. I'm dying for new platforms. I'm dying for um, platforms to build contracts for other types of income sources that isn't just NFT. So like licensing, for example, um, is very high on my list for, um, for contracts that I'd like to see. Um, naturally, all of these things need Web3 integration, promote equity. And here's what I do is a need for social media innovation, as well as a seamless and personalized marketing experience that heavily accounts for teaching people discoverability, as well as that individualistic factor. 
because we can't forget that, yeah, look at the end of the day, you are responsible for yourself, your platform and your income. But again, due to the lack of, um, uh, of education in the space, free access education in the space, we lost it. Um, and then further, I'd also like to see these projects with that very high community value that have a philosophy of cultivating um, uh, Web3 and everything that it means for us. And to that, I also think, weirdly enough, that we're in a natural moment of community growing pains. So I, I don't want to sit here and be like all doom and gloom. Um, if you follow community evolutions in the past, they tend to begin like Web3 did, as a grassroots commentary on an old system, Web2. Um, and it includes, of course, people with similar minds and very similar goals who build something new together. And then as mass adoption occurs, more opinions and more goals enter into the space. Um, the, the problem, though, again, is that I, I think that we had very heavy emotional exploitation um, about where to spend our money and where to spend our time. And that took us away from that heavy community value. Um, and because of the, uh, the monetary element behind it, rather than communal, um, we have widespread implications to the livelihood of what we're seeing right now, thousands of people who have lost a shit ton of money, who don't have a Web3 career anymore, who are having to go back to their nine to five. Like it's absolutely heartbreaking. It's like, Wagme was amazing for onboarding people early. Um, but I think that saying things like this space moves fast and Wagme actually really only helped people with those massive budgets because of that very heavy emotional appeal that it created. Um, so at the end of the day, I I'm left with, okay, w what do we value? Where are we here today? Um, is the value still in individual success? Are we basically web two but sh in a web three shell um is it ever going to be community again or is it something else that we just haven't identified yet well i i, I think you've uh, hit many nails on the head <laughs> um such a, a, a keen uh understanding and perception of what's going on uh in, in the space here i i spent four years um, living in a, a co-housing uh, development, essentially 34, 35 condo units in this building with common space where you could hang out and use the, the common facilities for, uh, for, for having large dinners or the exercise room or the workshop and so on and so forth. And with your mention of discoverability, in, in a space like that, it's it's like a microcosm of what we have here. The, you had people that went, uh, so such things aren't, aren't uh, you don't have a developer that builds it and says, hey, come, I've built this co-housing community. You have people that say, well, yeah, I, I'd kind of like to, to find some people uh, with a similar outlook and let's, let's build a complex together, uh, build our own neighborhood from the ground up, basically. And so that had happened um, before I, I arrived on the scene. And I got to see, at the, at the point where I arrived, it, uh, it was what you've described as, as the growing pains that we're seeing now. I arrived in this community as those growing pains uh, were, were occurring. It had existed for 
about 10 or 12 years before before uh, the family moved in and you'd had some turnover in uh, in in the uh, in in this community and so you get new blood coming in and new people with different ideas and some of them get along with some of the people that are there some of them don't they have different philosophies one of the th- things that uh, my takeaway from that as relates to to what's going on in web3 is one thing that really would have uh, benefited that kind of, of community, that kind of environment, is, is flexibility to allow those that identify um, that there's this this path that we want to push forward along, this this avenue where we want to do things together as a subset of the community, uh, the, the kind of a self-selection, that, that flexibility to, to branch out and, and hang out in subgroups within, uh, within that larger group. And that, that uh, you know, as, as we have things grow here, it can't be this homogenous mass that we've got. We, there has to be an ability to, to, to adapt and, abil- and some, some easily understood ways of, of forming those breakout communities or subcommunities, if you will. I don't want to keep talking, so I'm going to pause and uh, go ahead, Steph. Hi. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, I was going to say a bunch of stuff earlier, but the conversation moved on, and it also became more apparent that um, some of the questions and things that I was going to say, you already kind of addressed in the last time you spoke, you know? <laughs> so based on what Ian or Ian was just saying, um, I felt like that was something, the subcommittee idea was something that I could just um, add to just as somebody who is a community manager for our creative industry initiative, but also like, you know, seeking a salary job in that field and like learning a lot about community um, and especially in the Web3 space, it does seem like the most successful communities have seemed to kind of recognize the need for that and um, have allowed for these sub-communities to take place within their space um, and allowed for the members of the community to kind of create their own sub-committees within the space too. So I just thought that was cool. See, I, I, I say all the time, like, it's it's within your best interest to be interested in others. And I fully believe that. I fully embrace that. Um, Steph, I'm sorry, that doesn't mean I'm a good uh, community manager, because I'm not. Um, that's why I'm, like, so blessed to have you. Um, but even still, it, it's not just in community, though. It's ensuring that you are seeking out content, engaging with other people, um, and, and forming relationships with people who are not within your algorithmic bubble, your artistic bubble, whatever. Um, and creating, again, like this, this homogenized um, ecosystem that we have found ourselves in. And I mean, what's wild about this and what's wild about I do, what, what I do, excuse me, is that like it's provable with data that we are now isolated away from each other and our communities because we didn't do a very good job um, protecting, uh, web three as its own community. Um, let me make room for uh, Levin real quick. Go ahead. Oh, Hey, I, I just think it's a super interesting discussion about this component of, you know, the collective versus the individual, you know, the way you're kind of framing this, I haven't quite 
heard it framed that way in many of these spaces. Um, my viewpoint, though, is that I think whether one likes it or not, you know, we're dealing at the end of the day with markets. And, you know, if your society works out that individual ownership exists, and I don't care why you think individual ownership exists, if your community or society works out that it, it exists and that exchange is better than thievery, and I hope you, you believe that, you're going to get a market. That's why markets happen. If private property of any kind exists, you only have three options for changing ownership of that property. I don't care whether it's a tokenized NFT or it's out in the physical world. You have theft, you have gift, you have exchange. Theft, you know, obviously entails shenanigans, sometimes violence. We don't like that. And gift is honestly unsustainable past a very modest point. And that leaves exchange. And markets, for better or worse, are, but, you know, are going to spring up to work out those exchanges, which is to say markets are not a thing in and of themselves. They're something that people do. There's been a ton of post-industrial attempts to eliminate this concept of individual ownership by scaling what you're talking about, collective ownership, past like a family or a multi-unit scale. And all of them have been just utter disasters because the problem is that any community is still made up of individuals. And eventually the management of the community's resources falls to individuals. And by the time you create that community, of thousands, or gee whiz in this case, right, millions of people sometimes, you are going to have a problem because the tiny handful of people who are going to manage that, as we all know, don't possess the omniscient knowledge it would take to distribute all that well. Um, and by the way, neither do they have the incentive to do so. This uh, sort of sense of mutual obligation that the Web3 always uh, likes to talk about and love that occurs naturally between family members and neighbors even really can't be enlarged beyond that scale. And no amount of, you know, wag me is going to substitute for that. So it's just really important. There's like when you're talking about like the sub kind of communities, like and then like the larger Web3 community that these markets that we're discussing, they are a human phenomenon, but you can't alter them, even if it's Web3 in any old way to suit some any old ideal that you have. They're interestingly, they're a lot like arithmetic in that respect. If you make certain assumptions about whole numbers, certain consequences are going to happen. If you say two and two equals four, great. But if you're working in base four, two plus two equals 10. And if you say that we like the base 10 results over there and we like the base four results over there, so we're going to combine them and make like some new thing called like mixed arithmetic, you're going to just have a hodgepodge and reasoning is going to be very aggravating and very complicated. So, uh, you know, to sum it up, to say markets are natural, I'm not suggesting to say that they're good. I'm not suggesting markets are optimal. I'm just saying that they're natural. But at the end of the day, I think that the system that we have generally is pretty good because it has a pretty low ethical bar to clear, which is, well, thievery. You know, we, we don't want that. So I just feel that that's, you know, kind of the complexity that's happening with like the Web 3 versus the Web 2 dynamic, as well as with, you know, intra as well as internally within Web 3 in and of itself. 
So you made an interesting point there with the, I mean, we're, we're commodifying markets. We are making a definitive statement about what they are and the natural manifestations um, uh, that they, that we are prone to us uh, to making them. And, you know, I, I've, I've got a saying that you commodify your following eventually. You either die a hero or you live long enough to monetize your audience. But I kind of think that that's part of the problem, though, is that we're, we're commodifying these markets rather than naturally thinking about them in a way that, sure, could be communal, could be um, uh, any of the what, what were the uh, you, you said four different markets, Levin. What, what were those? Uh, basically, if you're looking at like classic econ 101, I yeah. mean, like, and that's not trying to get like too crazy nutty here. Right. You've got thievery. Okay, which I think we can all agree is that's we're not going to get involved in that. You can gift, which is sometimes also spoken about as bartering, you know, just trading stuff, but without, you know, uh, the transactional component of currency. And if you know, but that's only sustainable up to a certain point, um, both in terms of the size of the community you're dealing with and the size of the exchange that's taking place. You know, it's, it's easy to barter, barter my apple for your orange, but to barter like my house for your car and uh you know a bunch of other stuff it gets a little more complicated um and aside from that you've just got markets and that's why the markets spring up to allow for that exchange to take place and i'm not just talking about financial markets you know like when i because when people hear markets they think oh is he talking about equities is he thinking talking about real estate is art i mean i'm just talking about the exchange of of markets in, in, in the broadest possible term. Um, so I, I hope that clarifies a little bit. Yeah, it does. I was just looking for um, the, the three that you listed there so I can look those up a little bit later. Um, I, I wrote a, uh, <laughs> I wrote a workbook on uh, pricing NFTs that uh, Zach down there helped me delivered. And uh, if you told me five years ago that I would be looking at economy books, um, I would have thought that you're insane. Um, but yeah, I, I just wonder if, if maybe part of the solution isn't in redirecting that commodification of what a, a financial market means. Um, and I, I don't know what that would look like. Of course, you've got, um, I, I need to, I need to look that up. Um, but uh, Steph, go ahead. Yeah, um, I just, to me, I just keep thinking like, so what does it, what does it look like, you know, to you, at least, you know, like, what do you want things to look like in the Web3 space? Or what were you hoping for? Because for me, it just feels like, kind of like what Levin and Ian were saying, like, if it's, if humans are involved, then it's, there's going to have to be like nuance. It's not going to be black and white. It's not going to be, um, it can't be all like, we're all just, we're all going to make it, we're all going to help each other. It won't realistically completely work out that way. Just like, we don't want it to all be so individualistic I mean like I'm an eternal optimist so I just try to think like well I'll do the best I can to make the world a better place and so I'll try to strive for success for myself and also help other people along the way and lots of other people like you think that way um, but not not everybody does and there's if we're trying to get so many people involved and we're not trying to gatekeep like there's just going to be a lot of different people involved and um it's it's too like idealistic to think to me i just feel like it's idealistic to think 
it's possible for it to only be good. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that idealists are people who don't apply optimism. Um, and what I mean by that is that I, I, I feel optimistic about the future. Um, I am certainly not an optimist nor am I idealist, though. Um, but, you know, I, I try to make sure that I, I take these steps to whatever my vision is. Um, so in the executive summary, um, I've, I've essentially listed out what I want it to be. And of course, my focus is on education. Um, the application of education like, remains a, a pre-web institution where access to either enormously expensive or poor quality um, uh, parameters exist. And for artists, this problem creates a toxic, cyclical environment where they've taken years to hone their craft but they don't have any of the resources to cultivate success. Instead, corporations, gurus, whatever, um, often take advantage of this problem by charging thousands of dollars for their workshops, for their resources and whatever. And then conversely, the market of fractionalized content provides very little value for an artist unless they pay. It's exploitative and it continues this culture of the quote unquote starving artist. Um, so what I do with the creative industry is I have formulated a free access educational platform um, wherein I personally use my background to translate and disseminate uh, business tactics for artists, creators, whoever. Um, it also, because I, I see so much opportunity with Web3, and I am, I remain to this day very optimistic about Web3, um, I want to use this opportunity to onboard further people into Web3. Um, and the, the parameters in which I'm working from are three philosophical pillars, and those are decentralization, open access, and equity. Um, it includes like education and onboarding, obviously, but because of the Web3 atmosphere, we're encouraged, at least I think, um, to also introduce community and equity at the center of absolutely everything that we do. So if it's not WAGMI, I, like, if, like if coming full circle, if, if WAGMI isn't my philosophy, I don't know what is because I do want to make sure that everybody makes it. I do want to make sure that the way that we move in the space respects your headspace, respects your schedule, um, and, and is like hyper-personalized. Um, so yeah, my, my existential frustration, I suppose, with the difference between Web3 and Web2 is that Web3 is just more of Web2 right now because we don't have the foundations to make sure that Web3 is founded upon decentralization, open access, and equity. Um, I'm going to stop ranting there. Does that answer your question? Yeah, for sure. So when you hear people talk about gatekeeping, I, I still think feel like I get confused about what people mean by that because there are so like to me, I feel like there's so many ways that that can happen and it happens all the time everywhere. <laughs> but also like it, you can't necessarily completely avoid it if you want to like say put a small dollar amount on becoming a member of a community. Like for example, I have ADHD, I pay $5 a month so that I can be a part of a community that's for other neurodivergent creatives. Um, but like that, is that technically gatekeeping then? Because you have to pay the small monetary amount to be a part of a community like that? Or is it more about it being attainable for people or like affordable for people? 
I don't know. No, no, no. Um, I mean, you and I have been in enough conversations where you have seen me cry <laughs> because I am very worried about gatekeeping and monetization and things like that. Um, uh, we're, as, as you know, we're making some, uh, some move with, uh, with Discord. Um, I'm going to start upping my, uh, my content as well as um, monetizing particular elements of this project. And yeah, this cuts really deep to an anxiety that I have, but I also have to acknowledge, I think everybody has to acknowledge that we need to make a living as people. Um, But even still, I think that as long as you are moving with a space, excuse me, if your philosophy is community and that is what you are communicating to people and you do not support community, you do not ensure that your deliverables support your community, other people, education, whatever, then I think that you've used emotional appeals to try and get people under your umbrella. Therefore, your profit, yeah, seems a little bit dishonest. Um, I feel like this is a little bit away from the uh, the topic, but I, I want to open it up to uh, to anybody else real quick. Um, go ahead. Also, hi, Black Label. Yeah, I brought him up here. I figured he, he was probably okay for the, for the couch. What's up, Big buddy? Big brain time. <laughs> real quick, I, let me add something before you hop in, Black, because I'm sure you've got something to add. Um, Kino, you mentioned, you know, you use the phrase artists that have, have spent years to hone their craft. And it just really rung a bell for me that, that, that parallels or, or maybe sort of intersects with this Wagme philosophy. And I'm a big proponent of the, you know, you put in your 10,000 hours of honing your craft and it's one of the sort of pillars of success as an artist. And what I'm afraid of is that this Wagme philosophy in its truest form doesn't really reward that work that 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 effort that personal and individualized effort put in to create something radically different to create something that really universally appeals as art as an artist and and you know years of my life or or the artist's life put into honing that craft and and really putting pouring their soul into a piece um and should that be rewarded more so than someone who started last week with a uh uh, you know, a, a YouTube tutorial and is now making dope fire beats on GarageBand, <laughs> you know, like wh- how, how do these two things kind of correlate? And and for me, individual effort generally in some ways at least should be sort of re- rewarded. And and so for, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm, if I'm sort of really expressing this properly, but to me that that's one of those things that seems like a dichotomy in the philosophy versus or sort of I guess some of my innate beliefs around artistry and and sort of practicing our craft so that was just my thought Levin you want to go um I I hear it was just being said and you know it, it it's a common thesis and I don't think it's a wrong thesis but so I'm not going I'm going to just put something adjacent to what was just said rather than in opposition. I think it's very, very important that you, that artists understand that art is not about understanding or mastery. No one asks what Mozart means or an Indian Raga or, you know, a Beatles song. You have to forget about making things that are understood or feeling that a certain amount of effort should 
not automatically, but potentially um, offer a certain amount of recognition or success. I have no idea what Mozart means or a great Indian raga means or the Beatles she leaving, she's leaving home means, but I love it. Great art comes from, you know, imagination. And I think that sentimentality and a lack of feeling are the real foes here. Not whether somebody has 10,000 hours of expertise, 1,000 hours of expertise, or 100,000 hours of expertise. Um, and this particularly comes into play when we talk about, at least in the physical art world, artists who are many times considered to be, quote, outsiders with zero formal training, like the great Martin Ramirez, the great, you know, Bill Trailer, um, or where, where we talk about people who made art who were in insane asylums, such as, you know, as Wolfley, who's, you know, one of the great artists, I think, of the 20th century. Um, so education per se and the application of time per se, I do think are important. I'm not suggesting anybody should just, you know, wander on stage left and suddenly be recognized as the next Mozart. Um, but I do think that while great art can come from anywhere, and that means any geographical area, uh, any type of person, you know, any gender, any sexual person, any racial person, religious, so on. So great art can come from everywhere. The truth is, is that not everybody can be a great artist. It's just the way that that's the reality of the situation. Boom. Drops mic. Levin, thank you for that. <laughs> well, to that, though, um, so we're, we're talking about individualism and, um, again, that that path that, uh, that Web3 has, has led down. Um, but I think within the conversation, we need to make sure that we are also thinking about the underserved and people who cannot access resources to become a great artist, um, to be noticed by super rare, etc. Um, and I I will do better to uh, to have representation on uh, on stage for that next time. Um, but yeah, Black Label, um, when, when we're talking about, um, and, uh, and Ian too, I'm going to let, let Black Label go first, but I know that uh, Ian's passionate about this one too. Um, when it comes to accessibility in Web3 and providing that, uh, that bridge, um, especially with an individualistic, I hesitate to say society, um, but economy that we're in right now, um, what are your thoughts on that? Hey, um, I, so I, I love this conversation around sort of the value behind Web3. And I think that it has a very kind of, it's a two-sided coin, dual-edged sword. And I think one of, the, one of the things that it does that's positive is that I think it gives this sort of raw, wild west kind of access to everyone if they, if they can figure it out. <laughs> you know, I think that there's like a, if you can figure it out on your own without any help from pretty much anyone with it, then you're in great shape because everyone can do that. So in that sense, I think that it's really open. I do think that the negative side of it, though, is that we're sitting in a situation where decentralization is decentralized and there's no real centralized point for anything. Um, as an artist in this space, if I go to mint something somewhere, it only exists in that one place. And I, it takes me an hour to set something up. I had someone DM me this morning asking me how they can set up an ETH wallet to come buy my work. And if I'm the person selling it and I have to explain to them the economics and how to go set up a bank account, essentially, um, that's not very accessible for anyone. And I think that it's not... 
It's not necessarily that it's, I guess, let me rephrase. It's not necessarily that it's not accessible. It's just that the barrier to entry is really high. It's extremely high friction. And because of that, I don't think that we can ever see any type of real mass adoption without those things being able to um, become more streamlined and become you know, lower friction, lower barrier to entry. And something that you do it in one place and it happens everywhere. I think that places like Manifold um, are trying to fix that, but still it's a complete cluster and it's really difficult to set up. And I, I feel like I'm not an idiot when it comes to this stuff. I feel like I've been around enough to know how to operate certain things. And it's still really difficult. And every single time it's like learning a new language. And I think that, you know, anyone that's outside of this space, you know, we're all in the trenches. Like we're here every single day doing this stuff and we know a lot about it and it's still challenging for us. Like imagine, imagine the idea to someone who doesn't understand even what web three is. And so I think that that that's one of the biggest problems. So how do you, how do you operate in an environment where it's, it's predominantly like the buyers and the people who are investors or collectors in this space, they're, they're the people who were all about PFPs eight months ago. Like that's who, that's who those people are. And there are people that are collecting art. And I think there's things that are changing and we're in the middle of this sort of one-to-one -one season transformation into, you know, art instead of, you know, monkey PFPs or whatever. But I think that, the, the challenge is still you're only putting yourself as an artist or a creator that's selling in Web3. You're only putting yourself in front of the people who already have access to it and have already gone through the headache of setting up wallets and setting up different listings of different places and accounts here and accounts there and are following people on Twitter and this entire other world of thing that's that's completely outside of your world of art and you creating something. In the, in the way that Web3 allows for people to have better access and kind of an, an easier way and to some degree in terms of collecting something from someone, it also causes a lot of other barrier to entries that I think the Web2 doesn't have. So in the more traditional sense of selling something as a canvas on Etsy, it's a very centralized location and you can go sell something there. You set up a marketplace and it has buyers, it has people there. There's not this whole other world of things that are going on. I'm oversimplifying to prove a point, but the, the point is, is that it's it's something that you can do and operate without having to be involved in a hundred other different things. And I fear that the, all the advantages and the positive things that Web3 has to offer could potentially be lost or have a really hard time getting mass adoption unless this problem is solved. So that's that's sort of my take on it. I find it to be a plus and a minus, but I, it's really about accessibility and ease of use more than anything else. Ian, curious if you have a response. Let's uh, put you on the spot. You don't have no, to. No, no. I... I, uh, I... What has happened in, in, in listening to these, to listening to Black and listening to some of the other points here, I don't so much uh, have, have a comment to add except to, to say that it's sparked some ideas in me about how to navigate these things and do them differently um, to lower those barriers for entry. Uh, as, as pertains to technical knowledge and, and so on and so forth. And so I'm going to just leave it at that and I'll have to go away and do some thinking and do some research. Talk to me about what's going on because I have a bunch of stuff going on and maybe we can work together. 
Um, like I said, I'm about to do a big, crazy relaunch of stuff that I can't talk about yet. I'm starting a cult. I'm really excited. Um, but Black Label, um, we, we talked earlier about um, how, how uh, the community was one of the, the pillars of Web3 and how we communicated and onboarded everybody. But being that we now have found ourselves in a homogenized system that like you can track with data and the algorithm, um, it, it means that 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 uh, that uh, that that onboarding community is now gone, which means that it's left to the individual to find um, these these workbooks, resources, YouTube videos or whatever, um, none of which are mainstream or especially accessible. Like it's all guerrilla content now, basically. Um, so for like everybody on the floor, I guess, um, as we've lost community and we really aren't sure if Web3 will actually have Web3 parameters because we're sure in the web3 community but acting with web2 parameters um what's the future of art like can, can we dream or are we stuck with the same more of the same like web2 philosophies unless we innately as human beings um change um i i tend to see it as being a a hybrid system, so to speak, and a hybrid approach. I think you're going to have both. I don't think there's any, because like a lot of the principles that are in Web 2 and anything prior to Web 2 are the same principles you're operating underneath now. You know, create value, drive demand, establish supply lines and distribution routes. Like that's, that's the case with any commerce, any business, anything ever. It has to be that way. And there's obviously thousands of ways to do those things, but that's the structure no matter what. So I think that there's a bit of naivete with people coming into Web3, um, especially I would say more earlier in the year than it is now where all the media was hyping up um, crazy prices and this crazy environment of everything. And people were coming in and be like, oh man, I could go sell a JPEG for a million dollars and now I'm straight. And so I think like that mentality created a lot of people that um, came into this space without an educated perspective on what it was. And I mean, I'll raise my hand saying that I'm, I'm one of them in terms of, you know, you, you don't really know until you know. Um, and I think that when you get into it, that's the perspective. And then once you realize what's really going on and how to operate within that, you have to do a few things. You have to create value and you have to create community and you have to create resources and you have to kind of find your place and your brand within that market fit. And that's the same principles that have always existed for everything. And so I don't think that that's going to change. At the end of the day, the only real differentiator that I see between Web3 and Web2 when it comes to art is the way you pay for something and the way that you can collect royalties, in theory, over time. That's it. I don't, I don't see it as being effectively any different now. And that's mostly because of the way that like super rare or um, foundation or these other marketplaces have established what they're doing. Like before they were as established as they are, it was much more open, I feel like. But now that that's there, I think that still it creates, it, it essentially creates a web two marketplace in a web three world. It's the exact same thing as other art marketplaces would be. It just has a different transactional process. And again, like I'm overgeneralizing this stuff to prove a point and there's, there's nuances and there's outliers and there's variables within all these things. But generally speaking, it's a business at the end of the day, like art brand is a business and it always has been a business. Um, and so that's how I see it. I think it's, it's sort of one and the same to me with a different process involved. 
going to go in order of the hands. Steph Bully Levin. Go ahead, Steph. Thanks. Um, I just wanted to say that one thing I think in terms of what we can do, like as individuals in the Web3 space is like do our part to kind of make the mentality of like community and helping each other and um, you know, the wag me thing, like making that something that we're speaking about and um, like emulating, Um, not saying that like everybody has to be an educator, but like, you know, like what Black was saying, we get into this space, we learn about what it is and then we start kind of um, putting those values to work and like putting a name to them. Um, And so that's just something that we could do. And I don't really know exactly what that looks like other than just once we've figured it out, we help each other, (laughs) but yeah. Bully, after you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, first and foremost, just awesome to have uh, Black on stage, big fan of his work. Wow, awesome, love it. Um, Just with with the, um, you know, comments on mass adoption and stuff like that, you know, I thought I'd uh, uh, refer to some data that I found just the other day. And, you know, the success of this space definitely depends on investment in the space from people like you and me investing our time and other and investors big and small. But um, just to I discovered the Gartner hype cycle for emerging tech of 2022. And just to let everybody know what a lot of people look at as far as uh, things to gauge investment on certain sectors, web three is just about to plateau at the peak of inflated inspections, uh, expectations. That's the peak of inflated expectations and NFTs are just about to dive into the trough of disillusionment. And then uh, we go to the slope of enlightenment, to the plateau of productivity. All these processes will take two to five years to play out till we get to the plateau of productivity, says Garter.com. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking and thank you so much. Go ahead, Levin. Um, I think that there is a fundamental difference, a very fundamental difference between um, what I would call the Web3 and the Web2 world that I think a lot of Web3 people don't quite understand in terms of, of maybe the, the basic crucial component, which is community, which has been discussed you know, a, a great deal here today. And it's that in the Web3 world, it seems that even if an artist has some ideas or somebody's going to make a PFP project, whatever it is, I'm, you know, that's not the issue, um, is that there's this need, this feeling that a community needs to be built. And there is a tremendous amount of time in these rooms. And I'm sure you've all experienced talking about people's projects, shilling people's projects, telling people what's coming down the pike, when the release is going to be, what they're working on, what it's going to be like, you know, getting people, you know, interested, excited, you know, in advance, building out a community is the first order of day of the business. It seems like you can't really move forward in the web three community as an artist until you have begun to build out a community, uh, you know, gradually. And some people build out significant communities before they even have a piece of art that goes out, you know, 
into the space to be, you know, potentially uh, sold on a platform. Um, it works in the exact opposite direction in the Web2 world. I mean, how many people does it take to be in a community in the Web2 world? Well, uh, let's count, right? You need one good gallerist who believes in you and supports you emotionally and hopefully pays you on time and doesn't play too many mind games with you and who is honest with you about your art, you know, gives you honest criticism and input and, you know, does as much as possible to get your work out there. So you need one of those. Collectors, mm, realistically, you probably need half a dozen. These are people who will buy work from you from time to time over the years. They kind of understand what you're up to. They're willing to go through your ups and downs. Artists have them all the time. And who would never say to you, can you make me one that looks like this? That's like the worst thing you can say to an artist. Now, those six collectors might talk each to other collectors. But even if you only have six, th th that's enough. How many critics? I don't know. Two would be maximum. Be nice to have a couple people who get what you're doing. And it would be nice if they're of your generation and not an old geezer like me. How many curators do you need? Eh, maybe two of those. It's nice to have curators put your work in shows every once in a while, right? In institutions. That's it. I mean, I think, what did I just say? One, seven, eight, 11 people. That's the community you need probably to be reasonably successful. A good gallerist, six serious collectors, a couple of critics who will write about you regularly and understand your work, and a couple of curators. And so what happens is rather than starting with like building out this massive community, working towards your art, eventually it starts with the art in Web2 and the community builds out from that singular point. It builds out from the art. As a way of example, there's a young artist, now mid-career artist, wonderful woman, uh, Elizabeth Payton, makes these beautiful small paintings. If you've never seen them, check out Elizabeth Payton's paintings. They're just beautiful. Her first show was in a place I used to live in. I used to live in the Chelsea Hotel in New York. And she had her first show, believe it or not, in the Chelsea Hotel. Um, I remember this very well. Uh, her her gallerist didn't have a space at the time. So they just they, they rented a room for a month. They put her room, her pieces up in the hotel room. They left a key at the front desk. You just signed in and took the key and went up to like see the show. And that was it. And there were like about 20 small little works in that show. And any of them could have been stolen, by the way, but none were. And uh, the I remember speaking with her gallerist and exactly 38 people signed in the book total. That was it. That was the whole visibility, 38 people. But now I just had a client at this last round of auctions a week ago who had bought a painting by Elizabeth about 20 years ago, at the time paid about $32,000 and just sold it at auction for $2,470,000. So it didn't begin with a massive community. It began with a very small amount of really interested people who were willing to make a serious commitment to supporting that artist because they believed in the artist's vision and the artist's language. And I think that that's a massive, you know, differential. One starts wide and goes to a point. The other starts from a point and fans out, you know, into infinite width. Um, well, to that, though, do you feel like that, like, like we are respecting that model to this day? 
Um, in the Web 2 world, I guess you would say, uh, the physical world, the answer is absolutely. And the Web 3 world, as I've explained, has its other dynamic. And I want to be honest. I, I agree with you about something that I know is going in your head. I, I, I know you're thinking it. <laughs> so I'm just I'm going to say it. Um, there's no doubt about it. I can't sugarcoat this. Some people are better connected than others. OK, in the physical world, they get to those 11 people faster. And the art world is full of these privileged people. Uh, you can not like them. I mean, I do, but, you know, that's up to you. And I understand that it is unfair and it's still in operation. And there's no doubt that women, uh, you know, suffer from this, but it is getting better. Artists of color suffer from this. It's getting significantly better recently. And a lot of artists who are, let's say, over the age of 40 or 45 suffer from this. And that's getting better now as well. Um, but it still needs to change. It still needs, you know, to continue to change. And that that's by all of us. But that is a component of it. And, you know, that just exists. It, it is what it is. So this has been really valuable, friends. Thank you. Um, I don't want to uh, hard shut down the space um, and uh, make sure that um, I'm making room for anybody else that uh, that has something to add. Um, but we are going to shut it down here soon because uh, my brain is rugging along with probably Jeff's and bullies. You guys doing OK? Thank Solid. you so much for having us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any uh, finishing thoughts on uh, where, where we landed, friends? So yes. much ground was covered. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You know, I think it takes us back to, you know, why are you doing art? You know, you, you got to be doing it to love it, you know, um, to come to Web3 and uh, to expect to transact. You know, you could be really disappointed um, or you could be pleasantly surprised. So, you know, be good to each other and try to get involved with the community. There, Jeff. <laughs> I feel this immense pressure that I have not felt for the entire two hours just this moment. <laughs> um, create more art, you know. That's the that's why we called my little community that. Uh, and I feel like the more we create and the more we help each other create, uh, the the better off we are as humans. The better off we are as artists. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for their time who's who's spent in this space um a lot of new faces here for me um and so so you know thanks again for for sharing a few hours and, and for those of you guys that join us uh, on stage thank you so much for your thoughts uh, it's really amazing viewpoints and 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 wisdom shared so thanks everybody for being here i appreciate it yeah, selfishly, I took a lot from this. Um, thanks again, everybody, for uh, for your thoughts. Um, most of you know that I'm doing a bit of a, uh, again, a hard pivot into content generation and monetization um, with the creative industry, but that certainly does not mean that I am leaving the free access that I have. Um, if anything, I'm upping the crap out of it. And um, this, I've just learned a lot from this, um, especially regarding how that loss of community really did harm to uh, Web3. And I think our, our collective philosophy around what we thought this should have been, um, which encourages me to <laughs> make sure that this project is successful, one, um, but to make sure that I am doing what I can to support more free access education and work with them in a means that I 
I can help them promote and get their stuff out there. Um, but to that too, if anybody does find any, I don't know, like community opportunities or something like that, that I should be on the lookout for, I'm not talking about like an NFT project community. I'm talking about somebody that is embedded within the web three philosophy of community. Um, I know, I know. Oh, go ahead. Really the, you know, what is so cool about the token smart community is the whole discord channel is dedicated to onboarding people to web three um it may be you know a a small fraction of its glory of 2021 but there's still a good you know five thousand people there at any time and uh i invite everybody to go over there if you're looking to figure out how to onboard go to the general chat and just ask and somebody will help you out you know um there's cool shows on there and like any other Discord, all links and DMs are suspect. Thank you. I'll take a look. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that at, at the end of the day, um, my existential frustration is certainly with the individualistic way that we have transformed Web3 into to make it feel like it is more Web2. And I think that there is a lot of value to be gleaned from that so that whatever like future opportunities we have, maybe the, uh, the, the bull, not maybe, I'm sorry, when the bull run comes back, um, we can learn from this and help onboard and educate people so that we avoid these mistakes again. I kind of feel like that's a bit of a pie in the sky kind of, uh, kind of thing. But even still, if we have these conversations and actually build some sort of philosophical parameters within all of our projects, then I really do think that we can work towards a future of open access, um, of equity, and make sure that, um, uh, yeah, we, we go forward as as one instead of um, with this individual economy that, uh, that we have. So, yeah, just one more time. Um, thank you guys for a immense and valuable conversation. Um, Ian, Black Label, Steph, Bully, Jeff. Um, thank my two hosts as well. Just one more time, Jeff Bully. Thank you guys for being here for a whole two hours and 10 minutes of your time. You got it. Woo, appreciate thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. We'll do this uh, next Monday. We'll uh, we'll talk soon, Jeff. All right. Have a Bye good day, y'all. everybody. Ciao, ciao.